the coming of the Son of Man. He gave them instructions of the work they were to do. And listen to this. And then he told the gatekeeper, watch. He gave them pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers and uh, 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 apostles to equip the people, to tell them to keep watch. And look what it says. And you too, talking about everyone, is to keep watch. For we do not know when the master of the household will return. It might be morning. It might be evening. It might be midnight. Don't know. But don't let him not find you watching when he arrives without warning. And then he concludes 37th verse by saying, watch. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We have an interesting series we have been talking about the last few weeks. How many, I know the word enjoy is not really apropos, because some of this stuff is just kind of freaky, isn't it? that you can actually open your newspaper and you're actually reading the Word of God in your newspaper. How many think that's a little freaky? Anybody looking at life a little different in the last few weeks? Anybody at all? Lift your hand up high. Uh, This morning, I'm going to take you one more time into the end times. I'm thinking about concluding today. Just because this, this is a heavy bunch of stuff. How many can say amen? And I've had, I've had several people saying, Pastor, you know, we know that you are mandated. I, I just want to make a statement. I've had several people say, Pastor, I've never heard people preach on the end times before. And the question I always have to ask is why? The Word of God commands me to do this. Why why is the church not doing it? Why? Anybody have an idea? Go ahead. One of your few times in church you can speak up. Why? Fear. Afraid to offend, afraid to bother. Afraid themselves? Folks, some of this stuff's freaky. What I'm going to take you into today is is, is something very interesting. 
But I am very thankful that for most of it, we're not going to be here. So I want you to open your Bible to Psalm 83. I want you to put your finger there. Then I want you to open your Bible to Ezekiel 38. I've got a lot of Scripture. And I'm going to try my very best to get you all to lunch before the Baptist. I'm sorry, that's tongue-in-cheek, folks. I pastored my first church in Texas, and I kid you not, I kid you not, if the preacher wasn't done preaching by 12 o'clock, people started getting up and leaving. No, you cannot do that in this church, no. I hopefully will be done much before that. But I want to I share some statements with you. And I, and I want you to hear me. My Bible tells me to warn his people. We stand upon the precipice, I believe, of the wrap-up of human history. Now, not the end of the world, folks. The world is not going to end. This age is going to end. But if you are a child of God, there's nothing to fear but everything to rejoice. I say these words with absolute certainty, built upon the knowledge and the understanding of prophecies that I have studied, that I have read from other people, that I have understood in God's Word, that I have researched. And I can stand without equivocation and say 100% of the Word of God's prophecies have been completely accurate. Without a shred of doubt, I believe that the Lord's return is soon. What is soon? Don't know. They've been talking about it for hundreds of years. The disciples thought when Jesus left then, His return was imminent. But I'm going to talk about a couple things today that help us understand that there was no way the Lord could have returned except in the last 20 years or so. Daniel chapter 12. I've got a lot of scripture, but some of them will be on the screen. Some won't because there's just so much reading to do. But I, I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to, I don't want to miss the stuff that I've written down. So if it looks like I'm reading a lot, it's probably because I am. I cannot put all of this to memory. I try, but it just doesn't work. The word of the Lord came to Daniel and said, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Do you realize that the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, only became uh, really uh, almost to the place of understandable in the, only within the last hundred years? Most people, they thought Daniel... And, and Revelation and some other books were just so far-fetched. How, how do you understand this stuff? Even some of your greatest Bible scholars. Because God said, seal this up until the time of the end. And he said one of the keys that you'll know is that knowledge will increase. What does that literally mean? It means that our ability to know and do will be unfathomable. 
And that's what's happening today. They say the computer world completely transitions every, what, six months or something like that? I mean, everybody got excited. Two days ago, the new iPhone came out. Can I tell you something? They already have a new, new iPhone. They just got to wait until you spend all your money on this one to release the next one. That's how fast things are changing. But what I want to do today is I want to try, in God's Word, to lead you up to the time of the end. Are you okay? Because what I want to talk about is a few things that I believe are going to happen before the rapture. And because we see them begin to happen, we're going to know that we're even at the door. And like I said, and I want you to look at me, please. I don't share any of this stuff to bother people, to scare people. I do it because God commands me to do it. And he says, if I don't, your blood is on my hands. And I fear this position I stand in more than I fear you. I love you. And the truth is, is people can go any place they want to go to church. That's fine. But while you're in this church, I'm going to give you the meat and potatoes of God's Word. Even if every once in a while you've got to chew a few extra times because, oh, man. But how many think that's okay? Okay. Quickly, I want to look at what's being called or what has been called the Psalm 83 war. This is a war, I believe, happens before the tribulation. Do I think it is World War III? It very potentially could be. But it's going to be a very short one. But it's going to be the catalyst that sets everything up for the Antichrist, for the peace pact, for the building of the temple, for the sacrifices to begin again. And so what I want to do is I want to do my very best to take you into God's Word and to give you an understanding of this. The Psalm 83 war, which is completely different from the Battle of Armageddon or the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. We can see this as we get into this that the Bible is very specific about who is going to be involved in these wars and that these wars have not yet happened. In the Psalm 83 war, it seems very clear to me as I read through it that it's God's people that are going to win the victory in the Psalm 83 war. In the Ezekiel 38-39 war or the war of Armageddon, I see very clearly it is God that is going to hand the victory, that he himself is going to battle the battle with you and I. Psalm 83, if you look there quickly, I'm going to read the first eight verses, and then I'm going to expound a little bit, and then I'm going to take you into Ezekiel 35. Do not be silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. Behold, look what, look what the, the writer in the Psalms, says, your enemies. Folks, who's this war with? Every war that we have had has been man against man, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. All that literally means, if you break down those words, 
nation against nation, talks about, let's just take America, for example. America rising up against itself. It's not America against Russia. When a nation is against a nation, is a nation imploding against itself. When a kingdom is rising against a kingdom, what that really, that literally comes, it comes from the Greek word ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity. It means within that nation, the people group are going to start rising up and factioning and coming against each other. What is happening in our country right now? We have never had so much racism. We have never had so much tumult between nationalities than in the hour we live. Kingdom against kingdom, the people groups rising up, nation against nation. The nation is imploding upon itself. I can take you into Africa, it's doing the exact same thing. I can take you into Asia, it's doing the exact same thing. I can take you into uh, in the South Pacific. The same stuff is happening worldwide. Nation rising against itself. Are you with me? Your enemies, God, are making tumult. Now we're fine-tuning it down to Israel and the world. And listen to what it says. And those who hate you. Who do they really hate over in Israel? The Israelis, the Jews, or the God that called them to that place? Oh, they may use the people as the instrument, but it's really the battle of Isaac and Ishmael. Esau and Jacob. The battle of good and evil. Same battle has been since the beginning. Am I making any sense today? Your enemies who hate you have lifted up their head. Now we're going to go personally into Israel. You have, they have taken crafty counsel against your people. They've consulted together against your sheltered ones. The ones that are the apple of your eye. The ones that you have called out. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more. This is key. The first group in history that tried to do that were the Nazis. Oh, there's been battles, but never the total annihilation of, the, of a race, the Jewish race. The first one was in with Hitler. How many times has it happened since then? Today, the entire Muslim world has risen up and said it's time for Israel to go. Let us get rid of them to where they're remembered no more. For they have consulted together, speaking of those coming against Israel, with one consent, and they have formed a confederacy. That word confederacy is just a fancy word that means an alliance, an allegiance together. And what's it say here? Look at it in your notes. Against you, God. Against you. And then he names the names. And I'm going to take the names of yesterday and I'm bring them into the names of today. He said, Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagarenes or the Hagrites, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, has joined with them. And they have helped 
the children of Lot or the children of Edom. I want to put a clip on the wall. I'm only going to show two video clips. First time in history since the collapse of the Ottoman Empire has this happened. Look at this in the news just a few days ago. Do you have the clip up there, please? The Arab states have joined together with the U.S. to fight ISIS. But it goes much deeper. Don't put the second one up yet. Leave that up. ISIS means the, the uh, Islamic State, Iraq and Syria. How many have listened to our president not use the word ISIS? What word is he using? Very prophetic. He was the very first one to start saying it. I'm going to put the next clip up on. This is biblical prophecy being fulfilled. Islamic State... Iran, or uh, Syria, excuse me, and the Levant. What you see on the wall here is the picture of God's original plan for the nation of Israel. It was to include Syria, Jordan, portion of Iraq, and up through Lebanon and all those places. This was God's original borders. It's never been talked about until President Barack Obama started using the word ISIL. Our president doesn't know it, but he's prophesying. Why? In this passage in Psalm 83, all of these nations are listed. They are the ones that Israel is going to destroy, not God. And then Israel is going to possess this land. Ooh, I can feel it sifting through the place. Just leave that up for a second. Let me take you into Scripture. The nations that are in this pact together have not been together since the fall of the Ottoman Empire, which is a whole other sermon It's actually not even a sermon, it's a Wednesday night class. Since the turn of the 20th century, the late 1800s, the early 1900s, the Ottoman Empire was destroyed. Purposefully and very mischievously. But today I ask, is this coincidence? What I want to do is I want to take and I want to look at the names of these nations that are rising up in today's language. Look at this, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, uh, um, other parts of that are connected to Syria and to Jordan. Let me give the names to you today. The word Ishmaelites means the Saudi Arabians. What's in the Levant? The word Egyptians, though you don't see it in that, there's a tip of it that they are going to rise up. That is the Hagarenes or the Hagarites. These are the people 
For the first time in almost 40 years, Egypt is not a partner with Israel. The or Amalek are the people of southern Israel, the Arabs who live in southern Israel. Gibal is the northernmost part of the, of the entire Philistine empire. And they're all right, where's that map at again? Uh, they're all the way at the top. If you go up towards Beirut, that's all going up in there. Latkia, Aleppo, that's all the parts of Tyre and Sidon and all those areas. Okay, let's go on. We're talking about Lebanon and Lebanon's main, uh, uh, main uh, terrorist stronghold is Hezbollah. They call themselves Hezbollah, means the people of, and Allah is God. They call themselves the people of God. And the Assyria is Syria and Iraq. You see Iraq coming into that. Okay? And the actual, the real Levant actually goes out further than that, but this is the one I thought was the best picture of it. Okay? Then we have the children of Lot, Felicia, Ammon, Moab, and the tents of Eden, or the descendants of Esau. Who are they? The Jordanians? Oh, happens to be in the Levant. And Israel's number one enemy, the Palestinians. Palestinians. Psalm 83 says the Ishmaelites, Edom, Ammon, Amalek, Hagarines. None of this is in your notes, folks. This is just in my notes. I did not have room. So if somebody wants my notes afterwards, you can come and you can ask for them and I'll give them to you. Okay? The Hagarines, Gabal, Philistines, they all attack Israel. In modern time, I just went through all of this. It is Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, and the Philistines. Go back to that map of those ten nations. I have just named the ten nations that out of the clear blue have decided to become a coalition to fight ISIS. Coincidence? What do you think the ultimate goal is? The destruction of Israel. But things have to happen before this comes together. Okay? Over the last few years, not only America, but Jordan and Syria and Saudi Arabia, interesting, in the Levant, have all purpose to design their own peace pact with Israel and the Palestine and Palestinians. They all have their own peace pact. Israel has always rejected it because it, it required them to divide Jerusalem. And how many know that Israel has no intention of giving up the city of God? So the peace pacts all failed because they never wanted to allow the PLO East Jerusalem as they have wanted because it is not theirs to give away. It belongs to God. Let me go a little deeper into this insight. Are, are you okay? Are you okay? This is going to get a little heavier this morning than normal, but I will try not to make it too bumpy. The Psalm 83 war, no doubt, is going to take place during a time when Israel is still looking for peace. You read this, and it talks about all the different things that are going on. But I'm going to take the second part of the Psalm 83 war. You've got to go over to Ezekiel 25. And it says these words, 
with the 13th verse, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will stretch out my hand against who? Edom. And I will lay them waste from Taman to Dedan. What is that? That is Saudi Arabia. God said, I'm going to destroy all the peoples of Saudi Arabia. I'm going to raise my hand against them all the way into Edom, which is the Palestinians and the Jordanians. Back to the Levant, the picture of that whole uh, excess of land that they will now possess. Look what it says. They will fall by the sword. I will take vengeance on Edom. Look at this. I left this in your notes. By the hand of my people, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, they're going to deal with Edom according to my anger and my wrath. They will know my vengeance because they have always come against the apple of my eye. Let me drop down to the 28th chapter of Ezekiel. And look what it says. And no longer. You can read the whole thing from 25 to 28. But look what he says. All this is done. No longer will my people have malicious neighbors. See, these are the neighbors that border Israel. And you notice Russia hasn't been mentioned yet. Iran has. Iraq has. Iran hasn't been mentioned yet. These other nations haven't been mentioned. These are the ones that are part of a different coalition. These are the ones that God said, I'm going to use my people to destroy. No longer will the people of Israel have malicious neighbors who are a painful briar and sharp thorn. They will know that I am the sovereign Lord. The war of Armageddon takes place when Israel is saying peace and safety. The war of Psalm 83 takes place when Israel is trying to find peace and safety. There are only a small number of prophecies that still have to be fulfilled for the Ezekiel war to take place. And these prophecies are find, found in the book of Revelation. I'm going to take you through that in a few moments. But some of the immediate prophecies is the temple has to be rebuilt. Sacrifices have to be reinitiated. All this happens before Armageddon. But according to the Word of God, this Psalm 83 war has to begin first. The few, there's a few major differences that we know that the Psalm war hasn't happened, nor the Armageddon war. You say, Pastor, why is this important? Because we're going to see some tumult in the, in the world, and the devil is going to want to try to get us to give up and get afraid. But don't, because the Bible says when you see all these things begin to happen, you're going to see wars, you're going to see ruins of war, earthquakes, you're going to see pestilence. Do you know the Ebola outbreak is spreading worldwide, but the media doesn't want to pronounce? it? Do you know right now they have declared martial law in northern Africa and they are going house to house to find the people infected with Ebola? It's in the newspaper. How many have seen it? It's all over. They're afraid that they actually have it here in America. Do you know that ISIS has already admitted that they have camps in America as we speak? Folks, none of this stuff is something that should surprise us, and neither should it scare us. Because these are all things the Word of God says must come 
to pass, but the end is not yet. Is somebody with me today? Here are the major differences. Today, Israel is surrounded by bars and gates and walls to protect them. But then they'll be living in peace and safety. Today, before the 80, Psalm 83 war, they're living in constant fear. But during the time before Armageddon, they're going to be living in peace and safety just before the Antichrist sets up his image in the temple that has now been rebuilt. He puts an end to the sacrifices that have now been reinitiated. Another major difference between the Psalm War and the Ezekiel War is the nations who have attacked Israel are different. The Psalm 83 nations are the border nations that are right now in conflict with Israel. But you do not find them listed in the Armageddon Coalition. Why? Because they're not there. They're already defeated. They have no interest in rising in again. Can somebody say amen? When the nations listed in Ezekiel, they sit back and they see what Israel did to their brother nations. They're going to sit back and they're going to regroup and they're going to put all their stuff together and then say, it is time. And the Ezekiel war will happen. God tells us that during the Ezekiel war, five-sixths, of the entire army that attacks Israel will be annihilated. Who's going to do it? The Ezekiel war, God's going to do. But in the end of the day, the Psalm 83 war is the war that Israel is going to do. Right now, most of your people that study this stuff say it's only a hair's breadth away from Israel bombing Iran's nuclear uh, 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 centrifuges and those, those places they're designing. It is only a matter of time, they believe, before Israel nukes Damascus, destroys Gaza, as we talked about last week, and the entire ex-Philistine nation. Why? Because they are the ones that are tormenting Israel completely. And God says, enough is enough. Are you with me today? The impending war in the Middle East will be major and devastating. But at the end of the day, Israel will be victorious. The Arab alliance in the Psalm 83 war will be defeated and destroyed by the army of Israel. And this is what many think will usher in the world leader. Why? Because this is going to set the entire world on its heels. And all they're going to want to do is bring an end to this. And they believe that this is where the world leader comes out of to cause an end to the Arab conflicts that literally is affecting the rest of the world to bring a place of peace on earth. And as we talked about last week, Israel wants nothing but peace. That's all Israel wants. They want to be able to live in peace. And what does the Scripture say? When they say peace and safety, watch out. So we see the Psalm 83 coalition. Now let's look at the Gog and Magog, or the 38 and 39 of Ezekiel coalition. We have the nation of Put. Put is modern-day Libya, Algeria, Tunisia. Uh, we have the uh, country of Kush, which is modern-day Sudan and Ethiopia 
And uh, some people believe it's going to be Arethia. Is that how you pronounce it, Pastor? Arethia? Yeah, that one, okay? Because they're the ones that hold the landlock. They hold Ethiopia landlocked. They can't, they can't get to the sea. And there's always been conflicts there. They've, uh, the other one that we are very familiar with is Gog, Magog, and Rosh. Most people believe that Gog means the world leader or the Russian, excuse me, the head of Russia. Magog is, the, is Russia itself. And Rosh is the entirety of the former Soviet empire that is now, as we speak, undermindedly being reinitiated together. And we saw the blatant one with Ukraine uh, just happen here recently. It's interesting. Do you know what they used to call the, the uh, China Wall, the Great Wall of China up until just about a century ago? You know what they called it? The Wall of Magog. Go look it up. Go study it yourself. It's all out there in Google land if you want. Persia, uh, up until about a century ago, the name of Iran was Persia. As, as we all know, as uh, Iran became Iran because the Shah of Iran decided it wanted to join forces with Hitler, and uh, he liked the name Aryan, so that's where the word Iran came from uh, when they changed the word from Persia to Iran. Gomer, Meshach, and Tubal, that is Ukraine, Germany, and Austria. Those are the modern-day countries that all have a purposeful event to do what they're doing. For the first time in modern history since the fall of the Ottoman Empire has Turkey now become an enemy to Israel. That is Beth to Gomer. That's Turkey, that's Armenia, and that's the Turkish-speaking Turkish people of Central Asia and the Asia Minor. This is what the Word of God is talking about. Did you notice you don't have Jordan? Did you notice you don't have Syria? Did you notice you don't have any of these huge other nations? Put that map back up there, please, of the Levant. You notice you don't have any of these big nations that are right around Israel? Why? They're already gone. Kind of interesting, isn't it? So, Let's continue on. The situation in the Middle East prior to these two different battles is very clear. One comes during a time of continual strife, the Psalm 83 war, and one comes during a time of peace, the war of Armageddon. The 83 war and the Psalm 83 war and the Gog and Magog war are completely different in another instance. One, the people of Israel are personally fighting to take care of this scenario. The second one, God himself with all the armies of heaven come back to fight. But when does it happen? After a season of peace. The Bible teaches us that the first 1290 days of the tribulation period or three and one half years will be a peace like the earth has never known during the tribulation. Those who seek to cut off the Jews form their own alliance, and now Russia is going to lead that. Why? Did you know that just recently, in the last several months, it has come out that they have found more oil reserves in the tiny country of Israel and its immediate area than are in the entire Arab world? 
And guess what Arab world wants? Well, actually, let me go a step further. Guess what the Russian world wants? Folks, you can sit down and you can say, well, that sounds real spiritual. I'm talking to you naturally. Oil. Black gold. Texas tea. Friend said, no, Jed's a millionaire. Oh, I, I'm sorry. My, i got to get back in the sermon now. After three and a half years of peace. But understand, one is talking about Israel's battle. How many know Israel every single day has hundreds and hundreds of rockets aligning itself against it from these nations in the Levant? ISIL. Brings a whole new meaning to that word, doesn't it? God himself will destroy the Russia coalition. God's people will destroy the Psalm 83 coalition. Say, Pastor, how do we know that? I'm going to take a moment, if you all will bear with me, and I'm going to read the 38th chapter of Ezekiel. It's not up there on the screen, so open your Bible to Ezekiel 38. I'm reading out the New International Version. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog. I will turn you around. Put hooks in your jaws. And I will bring you. Who's doing all of this? God is. I will bring you and your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed with a great horde of large and small shields and all them brandishing swords. Look at this. Persia, Cush, Put. We'll be with them, all the shields and helmets, also Gomer and Beth to Gomer, all those from the far north. There are people that argue, well, Turkey's far north of Israel. Yes, and Russia's farther north of Israel. Okay, so God said, I'm bringing all down upon Israel. And he said, get ready. Be prepared, you and all the hordes that gather about you, and take command of them. He said, put this coalition together. Oh, I love it when God just says, okay, try me. After many days, you will be called to arms. In future years, you will invade a land. Listen to this. Listen to this, church. God is describing modern Israel. This is not centuries or, de- or millennia ago. This is modern. In future years, you will invade a land, listen, that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. Before 1948, nobody wanted the land of Israel. It was a desolate wasteland. But when God's people came in there, it has become the number three producing nation in the entire world. And during the tribulation, one of the signs that I'll get to in a few minutes, it'll become the number one most prosperous nation in the world. Look what it says here. They had been brought out from the nations, and now they live in safety. Sounds like a time to come, doesn't it? Because Israel's not living in safety today. You and all your troops and the many nations will go advancing like a storm. You will cl- cover the, cloud, the land like a cloud. You will invade the land that has recovered from war. Those people who have been gathered from the nations of the mountain of Israel, which had long since or long before been desolate, they had been brought 
out from the nations, and now all of them live in safety. It's a time yet to come. Israel, since 1948, has not had a safe day. You and all your troops and the many nations will go up advancing like a storm, and you like the cloud covering the land. This is what the sovereign Lord says on that day. Thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. Look at what it says here. You will say, I will invade a land, look at this, of unwalled villages. What that literally means is they don't have protection about them anymore. They have a military But they don't set up a protection anymore. Why? Because they're living in peace and safety. Look what it says. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people. Israel right now doesn't have a day that they don't expect an attack. But there's a time coming when that's going to happen. All of them living, once again, without walls and and without gates and without bars. And look what it says here. This is what the... The coalition is saying, I will plunder and I will loot and I will turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people that were gathered from all the nations who are now rich in livestock and goods living in the center of the land. What that literally means that Israel, if you look on one of those maps that are all spread out, you ever see those maps? It's the entire world spread out and it's got these real interesting angles, but yet it's round on the end. How many saw that map? If you look on that map, the exact center of that map is the nation of Israel. God calls Israel the center of the world, and that's what he's saying right here. The center of the world you're going to come against. I'm working on it, uh, my friend. I'm working on it. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day, when my people Israel are living in safety, when are they living in safety? After they sign the peace pact, for the first time in all of their lives, they'll have safety. Because the entire nations of the world are sitting back. You say, well, pastor, what's stopping them? God. Because when they attack, God's going to say, did you forget about me? Let me continue on. When they're living in safety, now you take notice of it. You will come from the far north, you and many nations, riding a great horde, a great army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud. In days to come, Gog, I will bring you against my land. Who's bringing them? God is. I'm going to bring you against so the nations may know that I am the Lord God of Israel, that I uh, am proved holy through you before their eyes. This is what will happen in that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger is going to be aroused. I in my zeal and fiery wrath declare at that time that I will send a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the seas, the bird, the sky, the beast, the creatures that move on. All the people on the earth will tremble at my presence. The earth will tremble at my presence. Mountains will be overturned literally. And a mountain like the San Francisco peaks will be brought down to the ground. Cliffs will crumble. Every wall will fall. 
I'll summon a sword against Gog on the mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will now turn against his brother. The nation will turn upon itself. They'll start killing each other. I will execute judgment on him with plague, with bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, fire, hail, uh, burning sulfur on him. I will send the troops and the nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness. And I myself will make this known in the sight of the nations. Can somebody say amen? Pastor, this is scary. Where are we going to be? Not here. And that's what I want to do for the next few minutes. You see, before the Gog and Magog War, Israel must be reestablished and recognized as a sovereign Jewish nation living in security. It has not happened yet. It will not happen until the peace pact is signed. And most people believe that that happens at the end. A very short war called the Psalm 83 war. Put that map back up there, please. When ISIL, as our own president, has been prophesying, when ISIL all of a sudden is risen up, this is what ISIS is all about, folks. When that's all risen up, God's hand is on ISIS, folks. He is stirring up the Muslim nations and saying, okay, you want a piece of me? It's time. The Psalm 83 war is coming together, and what's going to happen is Israel's going to come in, and he's going to smite the nations. He's going to smite in Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and down into Egypt. You see how it's all on there? And God says, okay, the land I intended originally, you're now going to get, but it's going to irritate some folks in Russia. It's going to irritate some folks in Iran. It's going to irritate. How does this little teeny nation, I'll tell you how, because the Lord God Almighty is the God of Israel. I told myself I wasn't going to get excited today. But God, when they see all of this happen, they're going to say, uh-oh, we've got to do something. And there's going to be a world leader rises out of the tumult. And I believe at the end of the Psalm 83 war, this world leader is going to rise. And there will be a peace pact. And finally, for three and a half years, Israel will have peace. Is anybody in this place excited about this at all? Say, Pastor, when is this happening? I'm telling you these things because when it does happen, you're not going to be freaked out. You'll understand what is going on because you've already been to the 83rd Psalm. Am I making any sense today? What I want to do is I want to change gears. And I want to take you to the end. You see the time of the soon coming that all is going to be fulfilled. And God asked simply, are you watching? God's plan was to keep his understanding of the end times concealed until the end. It wasn't until the beginning of last century people started to understand that actually from Genesis to Revelation, the entire book is an end times book. The entire book talks about one thing, his return. His return. As we shared last week, doesn't all these apocalyptic movies, doesn't the timing of all this stuff seem interesting? 
We could know that Abraham's bad, who could know that Abraham's bad decision with Hagar and Ishmael would finally, finally come together in this point to face at one place called a battle in a valley called Megiddo, a place in the natural tongue called Armageddon. What do we see today that helps us know, like never before, it is that time? Let me take you to Mark 13. It's on the screen. No one knows the day or the hour. It's in your notes. Underline that, please. No one knows the day or the hour. I want to emphasize that again because I've had a couple people say, Pastor, it sounds like you're almost talking about the day and the hour. No, I'm talking about the times and the seasons. I'm talking about what's going on. I'm talking about the things that we see happening right now all over the world. Can you say amen? And so what I want to do is, is look at this again. No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels, nor the Son, only my Father. But look what it says here, and I want you to underline this in your notes if I haven't already done it. Since you don't know when the time will come, always be alert. Why do I preach what I preach? The Word of God commands me to because I have to put you on alert of what's going on in the world. You as a child of God, I as a child of God, have to always be on guard and to stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man is illustrated in this, tri- in this picture of a man taking a long trip. He left the home. He gave all of his slaves instructions of the work they were to do. When Jesus left this earth 2,000-something years ago, he sent angels back and said, Guys, why are you looking up in the clouds? I'm coming back the same way I went. Go get the work done. Look at me quickly. The church has a responsibility to work. And that work that we are to do is developing and growing and, and helping people. In this church, we have a children's ministry. And there's not a single person in this room that has a desire for children that should not be involved in the children's ministry, in the usher's ministry, in the worship ministry, in the, in the youth ministry, in the various ministries. Why? You were saved to do the work of God. We weren't saved just to have a free ride to heaven. We were saved to get more people saved. The coming of the Son of Man. He gave them instructions of the work they were to do. And listen to this. And then he told the gatekeeper, watch. He gave them pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers and uh, 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 apostles to equip the people, to tell them to keep watch. And look what it says. And you too, talking about everyone, is to keep watch. For we do not know when the master of the household will return. It might be morning. It might be evening. It might be midnight. Don't know. But don't let him not find you watching when he arrives without warning. And then he concludes the 37th verse by saying, watch. Simply If we study the historical record, Bible prophecies are 100% accurate. Most Bible prophecies uh, leading to the end times have been fulfilled. Not all. Most people believe that up until now there is no other prophecies that have to be fulfilled for the rapture to happen. All the rest of the prophecies will be fulfilled after the rapture. This Psalm 83 war is one of the ones that will happen prior to the rapture, I believe. So we are living... In a time like never before, since the beginning of time. All of mankind sense there's something going on. 
How many are working with people who don't even know Jesus? And they're saying, what in the world's going on? Everywhere. They sense there's something. God is making sure the entire world knows there's something. That the apocalyptic storm in the distance is approaching as the timetable of God's calendar continues to unfold. Why? Because the last seven years of human history is soon to unveil and the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is about to happen. The rapture happens seven years later is the second coming. Scripture declares, how will we know? Because perilous times will be upon us. A godless generation. I got an email from Heather the other day talking about how in, 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 uh, in a scholastic society, they're trying to rewrite and liberalize the entirety of God's Word. And there's a great book. Did you find the title of it? I forgot the title. Distortion or something like that. A great book that talks about how the, the, the centers of greater learning are purposely bringing in a completely changed liberal view of God's Word. That's not a strange thing, but the Bible says there's a time coming, and even now is, when the people won't even know about God. In the last days, 2 Timothy, there will be difficult times. People will love only themselves. If any of that makes sense, say amen. People will love only their money. Do I hear an amen? People will be boastful and proud. Any more amens? Scoffing at God. We live in the most disobedient to parents' generation ever. A school teacher. I, I can't imagine being a school teacher today with all the rules and regulations that, that, that tie your hands. Ungrateful, considering nothing sacred. Unloving, unforgiving, slandering others, no self-control, cruel, hating what is good, betraying friends, reckless, puffed up, pride-loving, pleasure rather than God. They will even act religious, but they will reject the life-saving blood of Jesus Christ, which is the only thing that can save their souls. Have I described a generation that you might know about? Now, I know some of you might sit there and say, well, this doesn't make me comfortable. Folks, please, I love you. I want to do what God's Word tells me to do. And yes, it may make us uncomfortable, but it's going to make you very knowledgeable of what's going on in the world. The Bible talks about birth pains, the increased earthquakes, seas raging, violent upheaval filling the earth, volcanoes, unprecedented storms. Folks, flip the news on Every science itself is wondering what in the world is going on. My wife and I took a vacation. I talked about this last year. The largest volcano in America is a beautiful place called Yellowstone. Have you ever been there? My wife and I went there. I figured I'd go there before it blows up. But uh, don't worry. You say, Pastor, what if I don't make it? Oh, don't worry. It's going to take us with them when it does. We went up there, but just two weeks before we got there, the first time that they know of the volcano activity, the seismic activity was so hot, it melted the asphalt. They couldn't even use the roads going into a certain part of Yellowstone. Folks, I, I talked about it last year, and I'm not going to talk about it again. I encourage you to go to our website, blccaz.org. Go to our podcast area, the media area, and listen to what I talked about uh, about the days of Noah, 
and the blood moons and the different things. Because everything I talked about last year is happening this year. I'm not a prophet, folks, but I know where all the answers are. Go, and it's all free. You can download my notes, uh, and I encourage you to go look at that. Matthew 24 says you will hear wars, threats of wars. Don't be alarmed. Folks, how many have noticed the newspaper and the news media outlets, the, the term World War III is not infrequently talked about? It's being talked about all the time, isn't it? They know something is about to happen. They don't know what. I believe it's the Psalm 83 war. That's why I'm teaching this message today. So if you'll give me a few more minutes, I'll wrap this up. Yes, these things must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will go to war against nation. They will start imploding upon themselves. We saw that in what they call the Arab Spring. Folks, the Arab world is still imploding upon itself. It's just they have one common enemy. It's called Israel. The only thing that takes themselves, they're not as off of what's happening within, is to destroy Israel. Kingdom against kingdom. Nations are factioning. In Europe right now, they are passing laws against certain ethnic groups because they are just causing havoc everywhere. How many have been reading that in the news? Let me ask you something. Since I teach the end times, how many have been looking at the news differently? Anybody? The reality today, folks, reading the Bible is reading the newspaper. There will be famines, earthquakes, but all of this is only the birth, the first birth pains. The rest and more is to come. What I want to do is I want to take you into the last days and how they actually began. Israel is the very heart of things to come. Underline that, circle it in your notes. Israel is the very heart of things to come. The Jews' return to Israel was the literal beginning of the end. Here are some of the things that have happened in the last 70 years. That's interesting. Almost 70 years ago, Israel became a nation. Hey, Pastor, exactly when will it be 70 years? About three and a half years from now. Familiar times and signs, isn't it? Israel was reborn. This is a fulfillment of a lot of Scripture. I left it in your notes. The fig tree has budded. Jerusalem became the capital again. They had their own language. 25, almost 2,600 years, the Jewish language was not spoken in public realms. They kept their language. This is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. You can look at it. I talked about Zephaniah last week. The desolate became fertile. It was a barren wasteland when Israel occupied it. Now it is the third world producer. Israel becomes the most war, a world power and the focal point of politics. Israel is the third major power in the world. There's only two places ahead of it, the United States and Russia. How does that happen unless God's involved? It's also interesting that number seven is the number of God, the number of perfection. You say, Pastor, it's seven, three years just going to happen. 
Don't have a clue. All I know is everything is ready for it. The world prepares for what the Scripture calls the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 30. It will be the worst time of history for Israel, for the world, according to Jesus himself. Look what he said. For there will be tribulation such as not since the beginning of the world, no ever shall be. Matthew 24, 21. Zechariah 12 says, in that day, what day? The day of the tribulation, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. It will be like a millstone hanging around their neck, and they're going to do everything they can do to get rid of it. That burden that themselves, they will be cut into pieces, and all the people of the earth will be gathered together against Israel. Talking about the battle of Armageddon. I listed two wars that are on the horizon with biblical countries opposed to Israel. Scripture has foretold the most horrific battle to ever see this earth, and it is the battle of Armageddon. But I say here with great confidence, you and I won't be there for that. Is this mic still working? Yes. We're not going to be there for that, folks. So what is the order? of things to come, what's happening next. Israel's back in the land. That fulfilled prophecy. What is next to happen on God's end time chart? The church is going to disappear. Everyone sees the storm clouds of the apocalypse. Jesus declared in Luke 21, when you see all these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws near. You say, Pastor, how do I know that I know that I'm ready? Are you watching? You say, Pastor, how do I know I'm watching? Because you're living for Him. You're living for Jesus. See, it's not a matter you're sitting outside looking up at the clouds every day. No, you're living your life for Him. When people see your life, they know you're not ditching out into the back room to smoke a joint. Well, I have a medical marijuana card. Sure you do. Don't get me wrong. I probably shouldn't have said that. What are you going to do with me, Bob? Okay, hold on. I just got to get these thoughts past my head. They're going to come out of my mouth any time, and I I don't want to do that. It's not time to be playing. If you're watching, that means you're living for Jesus. Satan, through today's culture, is trying everything he can do to seduce everyone that this is the new norm. Yet like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot, just like an unexpected moment, the Bible says God is going to intervene into human affairs, and there's more Scripture for you to look at. But this time, the intervention will be catastrophic. Jesus himself is going to shout, Come up here! And the church, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, is going to be changed. The Bible says that we will be caught up together or raptured together to be with Him forever in the clouds. Multitudes will disappear before astonished eyes of those left behind. 
to go to a place that Jesus prepared for us. I want to take in Revelation, and then I'm going to be done. Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 3. Many people think it's talking about church ages. I believe that. But I also believe it's talking about every church and the situations they live in. They go from a totally on fire church to a totally lukewarm church because they no longer focus externally, they all focus internally. It's no longer about them, it's all about us. And you see that breakdown in Revelation 1, 2, and 3 with the churches. Revelation 4 and 5. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 2 is the last time you hear about the church. You do not find the church again until chapter 21. Church is nowhere to be found. You cannot find it in the book of Revelation. It's gone. Where is it at? In heaven. With God. What happens at the end? Jesus returns with thousands and ten thousands of his saints to a battle called Armageddon. Revelation chapter 4, the church is gone. We get a glimpse of what heaven is and about the Bema Seat judgment. The Bema Seat judgment is where Christians stand. Not for our salvation, for the works we did in this world. Remember what I said earlier? The master went away and he told the people, get to work for me. Look at me, church. If you're not involved in ministry, it's to your own travail, not mine. God called you. Well, I'm too busy. Hopefully on that day, he's not too busy. God called us to do the work of the ministry. That doesn't say that. You want me to take you and spend another hour and teach you? Where? All over the place. Well, you know, I just got so much going on. That's the problem. I got so much going on. It's supposed to be his life. Preacher, you're meddling. I do a good job of it, too. Look at this. The Bema Seat Judgment. The Bible says you can find this in, in 1 Corinthians 3. You can find it in several different places. But 1 Corinthians 3, it says that we will be judged. We'll all stand before Christ. There is no other foundation but Jesus Christ. But on that foundation, be careful what you build. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. You can look at it 1 Corinthians 3 uh, when you leave here today. And yes, I'm going to get you out really quick, so don't get nervous. Okay? And so we sit there, and he said, your works are going to be tried What's the works? The works we do as a Christian. I thought it wasn't about works. It's not about works. To get saved. But after you get saved, it's all about works. You're supposed to be working for them. I'm supposed to be working for them. Okay? So that's what we do. So we stand there and he said, your works will be tried as by fire. If it was for God, it'll survive and you'll receive a reward. If it's not for God, it'll be burned up. But you yourself will be saved. Yet as by fire. Pastor, what does that mean? It means that God is searching the thoughts and the intents, the motives of the heart, the why you do what you do. Folks, nobody's going to get to heaven just because we have fire insurance. It's a committed life. Can somebody say amen? Okay, good. So let's get you out of the judgment seat and take you into Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 18. Tribulation. 
the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, the vile judgments, the beasts that are, that are released from the bottomless pit. How many have heard of this bottomless pit they found in, uh, in Siberia? They actually call it the gate of hell. They hear things. They see things. They don't know what it is. Once again, go out and Google it. It is you, you got all of these, these holes opening up all over the earth. This one has special attention to it. They actually call it hell's entrance or the gate of hell. Okay, and it's not the one that has the smells and stuff that they have over in the Middle East. This is over in Siberia, I think it is. Go out and Google it, and it'll just blow your mind. Why are all these things opening up? The Bible talks about a bottomless pit that God is going to release these creatures out of. You say, Pastor, do you believe that that's metaphorical? I believe it is literal. It's going to be creatures. They're going to have the tongue, the tail of a scorpion, the face of a lion. They're going to, it's going to be a hideous beast, and it's going to sting people. And they're going to wish that they could die, but they can't. They're going to be tormented. They're going to be boils. I could give you some of the most hideous description, but if you're living for God, guess what? You're not going to be there. Are you okay with that? Chapter 6 to 18, 12 chapters of nothing but the tribulation period. You want to find out what you're going to miss? Go read it. Then we got a place called Armageddon. The Bible says that we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus says, okay, folks, we got a little something we got to take care of. Back on earth, let's take a ride. And we show up, the eastern sky opens, and all the earth starts shuddering, thinking, oh, my goodness. And God says, don't worry, kids, I got this one. And he wipes them all out. Mm. And then verse 20, chapter 20, it's called the great white throne judgment. All of those that died without Christ, all those that rejected Christ, all those that went through. But also in the 20th chapter is the millennial reign where for a thousand years we're going to rule and reign with Christ here on this earth in the new Jerusalem. Also in the 20th chapter, we find Satan is re-released for a season. People ask me, Pastor, why is that? Because there will be people that live through the tribulation period. They will live through the whole time, and they will come into the millennium. And for a thousand years, they're going to be there under Christ. And then at the end, Satan will be released to do what? To deceive the nations of the earth. You say, Pastor, how is that possible when they are in God's presence? How is it possible that a third of the angels of heaven were deceived by Satan? They were in God's presence. How in the world was it possible for Adam and Eve to be deceived by Satan? They walked with God. They talked with God. They were in his presence. Never underestimate the power of the enemy. He has no authority. It has been totally taken away, but he has power, and that power is called deception. David said these words, keep me from the sin of presumption. That word presumption means where I think I'm okay and I don't ever check myself anymore. That's when the problems start coming. Chapter 21, new heaven, new earth, eternity. How many are glad you're not going to be here? 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Thank you.